All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Throneberry. And welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry. I was a Chief Warrant Officer, Helicopter Pilot in Vietnam, 1969. We want to welcome you to our benefits program. This is a really big benefits program today. We're really excited. Uh, we've got representatives from the Ann Arbor VA, uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, that is, and also from the Detroit, Michigan VA Hospital. So we are anticipating talking about what is going on at those two great facilities. And then we're also going to be talking to our local representatives, uh, Caroline Fasson and Michael Smith, about uh, VA benefits on that side to hopefully answer your questions that you have out there. And we've got a couple so far. Uh, so I want to give you the phone number if you do have a question for our guests. That number is eight is 734-822-1600, 734-822-1600. Uh, before we get into the program, I need to really thank our sponsors because without their support, we wouldn't be here at all. So uh, number one is Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans specializes in veteran disability claims. And you can call Legal Help for Veterans at 800-693-4800. That's 800-693-4800. Or you can go to their website, legalhelpforveterans.com. The National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses. Uh, for more information, you can go to their website. That's nvbdc.org. I should point out that NVB, NVBDC is a Detroit-based uh, company and that they just picked up their, I think it's their 100th corporate sponsor to help with the certification process. Uh, just to remind you that the certification process means that your business is a veteran-owned business and allows you to get a little bit of preferential treatment through the government and also through many corporations that are looking for veteran-owned businesses. So check them out at mvbdc.org. The Eisenhower Center here in Ann Arbor and Michigan in Jacksonville, Florida, um, they have provide services for many people who are suffering from post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injuries. And it's not just for veterans. It's also for first responders and athletes. For more information about the Eisenhower Center, you can go to their website. That's eisenhower.com for more information. And also the Lieutenant Colonel Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, is sponsoring uh, this version of uh, Veterans Radio. And finally is U.S. Wings. And U.S. Wings is the home of the finest fl- leather flight jackets in the world, according to them. Uh, for more information, you can go to uswings.com or give them a call at 800-650-0659. I should point out that this is the uh, first month in quite a while that we're going to be giving away a flight jacket from U.S. Wings. Uh, we did that for a long time before COVID hit. And so now uh, we've had people that have been registering over the last couple of weeks, and we are going to be giving away a Top Gun uh, flight jacket to uh, one of our listeners today. And then every last Sunday of every month during our benefits program, we will do that. So go to veteransradio.net, click on the flight jacket and register to enter the drawing. So, okay, that gets rid of that part of the program, all right? All right, so let's get started here. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we are joined by our guests from the Detroit 
Veterans Administration Hospital that uh, uh, John Dingles actually uh, VA down there. And I want to welcome uh, Dr. Matter and Bill Browning from their, that uh, that VA facility. And so welcome to Veterans Radio. Thanks, Dale. Glad to be here. Okay. So um, my question to you is, what is what's going on down at the uh, Detroit VA? Well, I, you know, we are with every VA medical center in the country. We are, you know, still at the front lines of fighting the pandemic. And uh, we are doing the best we can for our veterans and, and the community at, at large. Uh, we are uh, thoroughly involved in the, uh, the distribution of the Moderna vaccine. And we just learned today that VA is resuming the, uh, the distribution of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Uh, that just came earlier this afternoon. So uh, Dr. Mata is our uh, deputy chief of staff, and he can tell you a lot more about uh, our vaccine uh, clinics and uh, our care for veterans during this pandemic. Okay. Dr. Matter, what is, what is uh, going on at the uh, Detroit VA as far as vaccinations are concerned? Uh, we are uh, administering the Moderna vaccine, uh, Dale. Uh, we have started this uh, on December 22nd, the, way, the day we received the vaccine. And uh, uh, we are running our vaccine clinics currently six days a week, Monday to Saturday. And in addition to the main vaccine clinic on the first floor of our VA, uh, our uh, primary care clinics are also able to, to vaccinate veterans. And uh, in many, many times, same day appointments are available or next day appointments. So any veteran who is interested uh, can call our call center uh, or our prime or their primary care clinics and uh, they will be able to get their vaccine, the, the Moderna vaccine pretty quickly. And so far, uh, we have um, administered um, about 10,000 uh, first doses to our veterans and about uh, 8,000 uh, second doses. Um, so um, uh, we have the supplies on hand um, for the Moderna vaccine. Uh, we have administered only around 200 uh, Janssen vaccine. But when the CDC and the FDA put a pause on that, we stopped uh, right away. We have the stock on hand, but uh, the VA is still uh, studying the issue, has not given us the go-ahead to, to resume the Janssen vaccine. Okay. It's, uh, Bill, do you have a number that, that uh, people in the Detroit area, especially veterans, can call to get an appointment? Yeah, they can yes. call our... You can call our general number. It's three one three five seven six one thousand, and then they will. And then the uh, the uh, the call tree will take them to our uh, our call center, and then that way they can be uh, transferred over to our scheduling clinic, and they'll be able to uh, advance to the uh, to accept a uh, schedule for the vaccine. Okay, that that's what I wanted to do. Have you found any resistance to people? You know. In- you know, wanting to get the vaccine or or not? Um, yes, they'll, um, there is uh, certainly vaccine hesitancy. And I would say it is more among our younger veterans. Um, see, uh, at this time, uh, we have 33,000 veterans enrolled in the uh, for primary care at the Detroit VA. And I said, as I said earlier, 
um, you know, 10,000 uh, first doses, around 8,000 second doses have been administered. So we still uh, have uh, quite a number of veterans who who can get vaccinated if they choose to. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I would like to point out, because the vaccine is generally available in the community at pharmacies and, and county health centers, um, a, lot, a good number of our veterans have got their vaccine on the outside as well. And as we are talking to veterans during our calls, we are capturing the vaccination on the outside. Um, so, yes, uh, to your question, there is vaccine hesitancy. And uh, uh, through our uh, social media messaging and our individual uh, clinic visits and um, through text messages, we are reaching out to our veterans and encouraging them to get the vaccine um, because uh, the pandemic is, um, you, you know, is uh, quite the surge is is quite there. And um, we, uh, last week, uh, as as many as eight thousand new cases were being reported in the state of Michigan. So I feel that anybody who is not vaccinated should immediately drop everything and get the vaccine right now uh, because we are seeing that the vaccine is uh, very effective and also uh, with 180 million doses of the mRNA vaccines between Pfizer and Moderna uh, in the last four months being administered across the U.S. is pretty safe. It is safe and it's effective. So um, we really are encouraging any veterans who are listening who are not vaccinated that they should get the vaccine right away. And it's available both at the Detroit VA and the Ann Arbor VA. Right. Now I'm going to do a little segue to the Ann Arbor VA here. Right now we have Dr. Uh, Jenny Kreisman, who is the director of the medical, she's the medical director for the Ann Arbor healthcare system. And also Brian Hayes, who's a public affairs officer in Ann Arbor. Uh, Dr. Kreisman, I, I heard the numbers for Detroit. How are we doing in Ann Arbor with our vaccines? So Ann Arbor's been blessed to have the Pfizer product, which came out a couple weeks earlier. So over the last three months, we've been able to do about 57% of our primary care veterans, which is over 27,000. In addition, um, that's first and second doses, about 30, close to 30,000 when you include our employees. But at this date, we're actually um, also not only just as is Detroit and all the Michigan market healthcare systems, we're vaccinating spouses and caregivers. So if you take dad to the, to the VA for treatment, come on in. If you, if you're, you know, supporting him in any way, him or her as a veteran, uh, please come on in and, and let us take care of you too. So we've been very successful with a lot of spouses and caregivers that way too. So we've done over 27,000. We do have some of the Janssen and Janssen product. Now, we don't use it that much. We only used it with our employees for our event, but then we ended up, ended up having to turn it off. Uh, but this week, we'll probably be turning it back on again and looking for outreaches. For for example, I think on May 5th, we're going to be with the uh, folks in Shriners uh, in um, Detroit, uh, no, excuse me, in Toledo, uh, vaccinating those folks there, um, down there, the, a partnership with them. And we're hoping to use our Johnson & Johnson product then as it goes forward. But I just want to just keep emphasizing that, you know, the currently the VA has the ability to vaccinate caregivers and and, and um, health caregivers and, and um, 
uh, spouses, the veterans. Um, so if you need the vaccine, this is like just visit in Ann Arbor and Detroit. We're open also in Saginaw and Battle Creek. We're open and we're willing to provide those services to you as soon as possible. I think that's that's just terrific. Is uh, Do you have the number for the Ann Arbor VA for them to call? So Brian, do you have the number? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a 734 734- Two 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 seventy one hundred. That's uh, that's directly into the vaccination clinic. You know, in another way, if you if you it, it, you know if you don't remember the phone number, you can go to our website annarbor.va.gov. It's the same for Detroit, and you can log in and uh, you can register that way. If you go into the Keep Me Informed tool, so you can register. You can go online or you can call. Either way. Okay. Well, we certainly are encouraging all of our veterans and their families to get their vaccines as soon as they possibly can. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, from a medical standpoint with Dr. Mater and Dr. Griezmann, you know, that the herd mentality is something that we really need to take, take advantage of. And I want to remind all of our veterans out there that oh, these shots are free. There's no cost involved for any of you to get these shots. And it doesn't make any difference if you're a veteran or not, but wherever you're getting your shot, you shouldn't be paying for them. These are being provided I would also to offer, too, that um, since the Rescue Act came into play, co-pays in general are, not, are being deferred. Right. I was, I was going to ask that question that's on my list <laughs> um, for today. Um, you're listening to Veterans Radio, and we are talking with, with representatives from the Ann Arbor VA and also from the, De, uh, the Detroit uh, VA healthcare systems. So if you have any questions, you can give us a call at 734-822-1600. Um, I know, Brian, that the uh, Ann Arbor VA has been doing a lot of remodeling lately. I was up there the other day for an appointment, and it took me a while to get my bearings. Well, yeah, and once you get your bearings, though, isn't it gorgeous? The uh, the new first floor uh, corridor there is, is just beautiful, um, the way they've built that. <clears throat> and we continue, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, how they paint the Golden Gate Bridge. They go from one end to the other, and then they keep doing that. That's kind of how we do it, you know, as we're building, a, you know, a bigger, better VA for all of our veterans. It's just gorgeous. And um, not only that, but we're expanding uh, uh, not only in the hospital and the medical center itself, but, you know, we've got the new uh, community-based outpatient clinic coming online in Canton uh, later this year. That's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, and I think Dr. Creaseman wouldn't mind if I make a little news today. We've got uh, another clinic coming online down in Adrian, Michigan. And that's coming on later on this year too. So, so we've got lots of great things. We're trying to get, uh, you know, get out, get our fingers out to where our veterans are to make it a lot easier for them to get their VA care. Cause, uh, you know, 90% of our veterans prefer care from the VA. So we want to make sure that we're that where they are. I think that's, that's terrific. And I know Bill, you're doing the same thing in the Detroit area, correct? Correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, basically partnering with our community providers too in, in getting the care the best care we possibly can to our veterans. And uh, I know that uh, VA um, across the country has certainly looked at uh, expanding the care for its veterans. And uh, we are certainly following suit in Detroit. You know, we're, we're working with outreach teams, you know, uh, to also provide uh, numerous things as far as, uh, you know, uh, outreach is concerned with the pandemic. You know, we've had to uh, remodel some of that and go online with that. So we've been doing a number of things, uh, you know, through streaming on our Facebook and, uh, you know, get in touch with our veterans out there, town halls, what have you. So 
yeah, a number of those things have been done uh, virtually rather than in person. Right. Um, Dr. Kriesman, has there been any increase in uh, inpatient um, care now? Can, can uh, veterans go to their appointments or is it doing a lot more? Are they still doing a lot of Zoom evaluations? Yeah, so we're actually doing about 10% more than we had in the past in face-to-face care. We're about 65%. We're about 12 to 15% in phone and then the rest in virtual care or the um, iPad or Zoom, whatever it might be, VVC. Um, um, we and we, we feel that that's going to be part of it, right? You know, most folks can do that appointment virtually if it's a mental health appointment. But we are working very hard to address the defer, what we call the deferred care, which is care that was deferred during our, our first and second surges of COVID. And uh, so we're really working hard to do those procedures, um, meet the needs of our veterans. You know, even want, all of us want to see be seen at least once a year for some type of appointment. Right. So we're really working hard to do that, even though, quite frankly, and I think uh, Dr. Mata would agree, we're in a bit of a situation where we're just now slowly plateauing, and we've had a little bit of a surge here. We have about 10 patients in my healthcare system with COVID. Um, we're, we're actively pulling them from the community, and both of us, all of the mission market uh, facilities have accepted a fourth mission, which means if we need to help our community, we're here and ready for you. But we're still providing care to our veterans, including that deferred care. We're still meeting the expectations. I would say that my facility last week um, was working so hard to meet the needs of veterans. We were had our, our bed status was about 95%, which means we were at full load. I was going to say, you guys have been busy. Yeah, we, we're taking care of the COVID patients, but also still trying to meet the needs of our veterans, as is Detroit, um, to, you know, those deferred hit those deferred um, care items that have been sitting out there for a while, we're actively working for that. And I just wanted to comment also back on, um, Brian had brought up all the um, construction we're doing. We're hoping here in the near future to open up a a beautiful women's health clinic at our facility. It's been a long time in coming. It meets the need of our, I'm sure Detroit has the same issue, meeting the needs of a growing population of female veterans. And we're just really um, looking forward to that coming out online in the fall. In the, in the fall, that's when we're going to start? I believe that's so. Brian, did I got that right there? Yep, you nailed it. That's right. Should be uh, should be open this fall. Okay. Um, I can't remember now who mentioned it. I think it was Dr. Creesman, but I'll ask a question of any one of you. Uh, about the deferment of deductibles uh, on, on health care. And, and I heard this, I think we talked briefly about it last month. Uh, about how they were going to um, refund the funds that, that some people have paid in as far as their deductibles are concerned. Could you ex- somebody explain that to me? Because we, then we get we get to pay it back later. Well, this is Dr. Creason. I'll tell you what I know, and I might not know at all. Ms. Salzone might know better, or Mr. Smith might know better. But from my understanding, as of April 6th, if you pay the copay, we're going to refund you. And it's not that you're deferred. I don't think we have co-pays until the end of the year, but I could be wrong with that. Okay, well, we will address that topic as we, as we find out more information. Um, I, I just thought it was rather interesting. Because I noticed that I haven't gotten any bills in a while, uh, <laughs> which is always good. <laughs> but they always seem to catch up with you <laughs> at, at some point. Um, just as a... a 
Uh, a final question, I guess, to, to both of your uh, organizations. Uh, is there anything that we should be, be aware of? Are there any changes that you're aware of that are coming down from on high that are going to affect our veterans? So the only thing I would offer right now is because we're in Michigan as opposed to other areas in the community, uh, in our states, um, we're probably still limited on our visitors. The, and that's hard for all of our veterans because we've had to limit those visitors and availability coming forward. So um, that would be one thing specific to the facility. Um, I think that um, the co-payment or the forgiveness on the co-payment it's going to go a long way in supporting our veterans through the Rescue Act um, and, meeting, um, and, and financially supporting them as they go through the next six months. We're all working through, hopefully, through recovery. Um, that would be the biggest thing we'd say. And then um, that's all I have to offer right now. All right. Well, you know, we can't help it when there are animals in the house. <laughs> um, Bill or Dr. Mata, anything that we need to know that's going to be going on at the Detroit VA in the near future? I think I just want to echo what uh, Dr. Priestman was saying about visitors. I think we would really like to get uh, visitations uh, restarted for our our inpatients, particularly those in our uh, in our uh, nursing home area. You know, our community living center patients have been without face to face contact with their family members for nearly eighteen months now. So, I mean, it's it's been a tremendous. Uh, you know, blow on their psyche to continue this. And uh, we certainly want to retry to open those back up to the veterans. Okay. I, mean, I, I guess a, a question because you, it just came to mind when you mentioned that 18 months. Um, have we been, have we been seeing an increase in the uh, requests for mental health treatments or more people asking for help? Um, Dale, uh, not so much of an increase, uh, but uh, we are see we are seeing uh, more of that deferred care. Like you know, veterans like the general population have been have put off getting medical care, uh, like through the pandemic, because a lot of veterans were you know like like all of us were afraid of leaving the house, getting their routine visits and routine blood work and all that. And likewise with mental health. Um, we we are seeing um, that you know veterans are coming in with uh, with a lot of uh, stress and worry, and some of them have not um, you know um, got the uh, have not reached out for that assistance. And now we are seeing with the easing of the pandemic, we were seeing um, that veterans were coming back for their appointments and making more phone calls to schedule those. But then with the recent a worsening of the surge, like in uh, in the late March and April, yeah, you know that that puts additional um, uh, stress on on people because they, again they are afraid of uh, exposure and all that. So that is what uh, we are seeing. When these surges go up, then you know there is um, uh, like some decrease in the volume of face to face visits and all that. Okay, all right. Well, I want to thank you all for being on our program today. This, uh, Dr. Ginny Creesman, who's a medical director at the uh, Lieutenant Colonel Charles S. Kettle's uh, VA healthcare system. Now we've got the official name. We're going to have a ceremony someday. I know that. Um, Brian Hayes, who is our public affairs officer at the Ann Arbor VA. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Mata, 
from who was the deputy chief of staff in the Detroit uh, VA healthcare system, that Charles or John Dingle, who was uh, named after him, his longest service congress, longest serving congressman, I think, in a, in the history of the world, um, and also Bill Browning, who is the public, uh, you're a chief volunteer in community relations at the Detroit VA. So I want to thank all four of you very much for being on the program. Hopefully we can reach out to you um, on a monthly or bi-monthly basis to see what's going on in your facilities. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Dale. Have a great day. You too. Thank you all very much. All right, Thanks, Dale. See you next time. All right, Brian. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to be answering your questions on VA disability benefits. So, Here's the number, write it down, 734-822-1600. You're listening to Veterans Radio. We will be right back. Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative, maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. Even small actions can make a world of difference. If you know a veteran in crisis, please call the Veterans Crisis Line, 800-273-8255, 800-273-8255. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. And that's our good friend Michael J. Martin with the VA Shuffle. Um, I didn't get into the verbiage of it, my other guests. So <laughs> we want to welcome you back to our program today. Uh, joining me now on the line is Carol Ann Falson, a retired Air Force Brigadier General, who is uh, with Legal Help for Veterans. General Falson, how are you this afternoon? Hey, good afternoon. Boy, wasn't that awesome to have the Detroit VA Medical Center and the Lieutenant Colonel Kettles um, in Ann Arbor present. Uh, I, I just thought it was awesome to talk about the, the, um, the happenings and what's going on um, in both of those facilities. So great. Yeah, we're going to, uh, we're going to reach out to the other affiliates that we have and try to bring their representatives for their VAs onto the program, you know, on one of our benefits programs. So we got to go to California, uh, Minnesota and, uh, my mind just went blank. Oregon. <laughs> That's well, where it is. Well, you know, I think Dr. Creaseman mentioned it, but it would be awesome, Dale, if we could get on one of these um, Saginaw, Battle Creek, and also True. Iron Mountain, because that's our Michigan veterans. And uh, we we're very fortunate to have five um, VA medical centers in our great state of Michigan. So um, kudos. That was that was awesome. In, in the vicinity to talk about um, what they're doing. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I'd like you to be my producer. <laughs> and also joining us um, on Zoom right now is uh, Michael Smith, who's the executive director of the Washtenaw County Veteran Service Office. Uh, Michael, welcome back. Thank you, Dale. It's good to be back. Uh, man, it seemed like we were just here. 
I know. It did, that month went really quickly. I'm not, I'm not sure what yeah. happened there. I do want to remind our audience, before I forget, that we are going to be giving away the, uh, the flight jacket for U.S. Wings uh, before the end of the program today. So stick around. You may be one of, you know, you may be the winner. Uh, if you would like to get involved, uh, go to uh, veteransradio.net, click on the flight jacket and register to win because we're going to keep the same list and just expand on it uh, throughout the rest of the year. And so uh, the next drawing will be uh, at the end of May and then the end of June and so on and so forth. And uh, we'll be contacting the winners uh, and uh, U.S. Wings will be sending you the jacket. They'll contact you to find out size and all the other things. So we're pretty excited about that. All right. So we're in the benefits portion of our program now. And I guess I'll ask both of you if you've heard any any new things or if there's anything that we need to be aware of out there. No? All right. Well, we know we have one question that I that, that I wanted to uh, address. And this came from a, from a friend of mine. And uh, this was the aid and dependent payment that, that she was receiving. Uh, prior to her husband going into a nursing home, a full-time nursing home. And now um, she's been asked to um, pay back some of that funding. And uh, Carolyn, I know you've talked to her. Uh, Could could you kind of fill in our audience on that? Because it was something that we have talked about, I know, numerous times, but it's it's a little bit, it's still a little confusing. Well, it's going to be still very confusing because as when we get these emails in, and I know my good buddy, Michael, will agree with me. When people just ask a question, um, it opens up the question, the question, the question. And so with aid and attendance, um, just because you move from, say, your home to a facility, you shouldn't lose your aid in attendance, but there's many issues. If you move into a facility and you're 100% rated, if you move in to a facility because you sold your home and that becomes an asset and you're over the limit of the 127,000. So there are so many questions um, with all of these issues. And that's why you need to know um, what's going on with with that particular issue and you need to talk to somebody that's experienced but in this case and i think michael would agree with me um the va also assisted in a part of the problem because as a change occurs and we've talked in previous sessions if you change your name you change your address you change a status Um, you should follow up with someone. So the VA should have notified this family um, because they were 100% and because the VA is taking care of his, let's say, room and board at the facility, the aid and attendance goes away. It should have gone away. There should have been a notice, but it was realized four years later. Um, That becomes the problem. And finally, it catches up to you. Um, the, you know, this, this scenario reminds me when um, you know something changed in your life. You got a divorce, you should notify the VA so you could take your, your ex off of that. And you say, oh, I'll wait till the VA catches up with me. Well, the problem is you got to pay that back. 
Um, so there might be some different circumstances for this family. We're going to work through the issues. Um, she still is providing extra resources and we'll see what happens down the line. Um, but you just need to know when something changes, there might be an effect. And Michael, I know that, that uh, my friend talked to you as well and that, that you were talking about possibly some sort of waiver. Well, there's two things that comes to mind, uh, Dale, in, in this instance, is, is that uh, when, when a veteran is hospitalized for his or her service-connected conditions or is hospitalized for over 21 days, the VA hospital is responsible for notifying the Veterans Benefits Administration um, for any payment of compensation benefits, including special monthly compensation, such as aid and attendance. Um, so, and I think if I recall from our conversation, that was the first thing that came to mind was the failure on the part of the VA hospital to notify the VBA side or the Veterans Benefits Administration that they had a, a veteran who was receiving those benefits that shouldn't, excuse me, that they had a veteran who was hospitalized and then the VBA makes a decision on the impact it has on the payment of benefits. And in this case, it would have been to stop the additional uh, special monthly compensation for aid and attendance, knowing that he was under VA care um, in, in, in this instance. Um, so the debt that was created, sure, it, again, um, and again, General Fasson knows this process, um, is, to is, is, is to request a waiver of indebtedness. And the, the, the first thing that the, the veteran says is I didn't create this debt, number one, I personally didn't do it. Number two, I, I, you know, I, I didn't try to fraud the government. And uh, number three, I can't pay this back. It would, it would cause a due um, heart, um, um, unfinan it would cause just due financial hardship um, if I tried to pay it back. And then they submit a, what's called a, a, a financial status report, a FSR, that outlines income and expenses to kind of show that there really isn't anything in that budget left to repay a debt, if anything. And then it goes to what's called the Committee on Waivers and Compromises. And that committee then makes a decision on whether to waive it. And, and in most cases they will. And so that's the process that's best to do. And especially right now, since there's a, a VA moratorium on um, going after any VA debts. So this is a good time to try to pursue. Um, there, I mean, there's and, and the reason I'm saying that is is um, there's a little bit of the VA is not in full debt collection mode at this point because of the moratorium on debt collection. So it's a good time for her to be able to get some guidance and 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 um, uh, and then the VA, the debt management center, and those folks are really kind people. They and, and they really try to uh, give the best advice and guidance to veterans and their survivors about how to handle debt and how debt was created and 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 what position they're in. They're not there just to collect debt. They're there to help people who have um, VA debts to manage those debts the best way possible, up to and including yes, a waiver. Um, so. You know, the other um, unbelievable thought is um, a part of that. We've, we're hearing 18 months with all of this COVID. And in nursing care facilities, 
Um, this individual went out and provided and paid out of pocket to assist the veteran in the facility um, also can show all the expenses. And you're right on, Michael, um, helping going above and beyond. Um, you know, so yes, maybe she got that aid and attendance money. However, she put it to the use of the veteran mm -hmm. um, to yeah. take care of the veteran. And yeah. as we well know, um, for her, that was a peace of mind. We heard about mental health issues. You're not allowed to go into the facilities to see your loved ones. So not only did he go into a facility, he was all by himself. This additional health care worker that she paid for, thinking she was doing the right mm -hmm. thing because of the aid and attendance, um, provided her some communication with her husband. And so there, there's a lot of factors here. So Dale, I go back to when we get in a question, we might have to probe and ask many more questions to get the information, but we're there. I mean, Michael and I both tag team this one. Um, and we, we do that in many occasions to help our veterans and their families out there. I think I, I have one question that, that I learned as we were going back and forth on this. And that is that when the, when the veteran went from the home into the nursing care facility for the first time, it was on a 30 day trial. Um, I forget what the term was that, that one of you used with that. We went in for 30 days and then they said, well, you, you know, he can't go home. You've, he's got to stay here. And that, that you, one of you felt that that might have triggered the, the mistake in here because there was a homebound benefit and there's a nursing home benefit. And, I, and right. just to let our audience know, this nursing home benefit um, monetarily is worth a lot of money. I mean, they're, well, the, the VA is paying, uh, you know, it's, it's under contract, but they're paying well over $5,000 a month for uh, this person to, to, you know, to remain safe. Well, and the reason that happens, so we don't want to give our audience that the VA is going to pick up everybody's long-term care. The fact that this veteran was 100%, um, that's what qualified them for the extra benefit, right. just like right. a tax abatement, 100%. And so 70% or greater, um, and it just doesn't happen automatically. You still got to ask the VA, mother, may I? It's just like going to another facility, getting into everything. You got to ask those questions. And so going back again to somebody that's experienced that could help you with this, I think is really important. Well, it's a pretty complicated process, it sounds to me, um, to, you know, to go through all of the all of the benefits that, that so many veterans are entitled to out there that they're unfamiliar with or they don't know how to find out where these, what their benefits are and where they can get them. I, we need to take another real quick break in here. Got to get, get our sponsors in. So uh, we're going to take a real quick break. The number is 734-822-1600. Please give us a call. We've got two experts here. You don't have to wait for them to return your call or anything. So uh, you're listening to Veterans Radio. We will be right back. The Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. Sergeant David Bleak, although a medical aid man, killed three North Korean soldiers and disarmed two more. Details after this. 
Bleak volunteered to accompany a reconnaissance patrol committed to engage the enemy and capture a prisoner for interrogation. Forging up the rugged slope of the key terrain, the group was subjected to intense automatic weapons and small arms fire and suffered several casualties. After administering to the wounded, Bleak continued to advance with the patrol. Nearing the crest of the hill while attempting to cross the fire-swept area to attend the wounded, he came under hostile fire from a small group of the enemy concealed in a trench. Entering the trench, he closed with the enemy, killed two with his bare hands, and a third with his trench knife. Moving from the emplacement, Bleak saw a concussion grenade fall in front of a companion and, quickly shifting his position, shielded the man from the impact of the blast. Later, while ministering to the wounded, a hostile bullet struck him, but, despite the wound, Bleak undertook to evacuate the wounded comrade. As he moved down the hill with his heavy burden, two enemy soldiers with fixed bayonets attacked him. Closing with the aggressors, he grabbed them and smacked their heads together, then carried his helpless comrade down the hill to safety. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio. Are you a veteran or a military spouse interested in starting or growing an existing business? Then you want to connect with VetBiz Central, Michigan's only veteran business resource center, providing free one-on-one business counseling services, including research plans and preparing veterans to be lender-ready. If you're in business, VetBiz Central offers comprehensive strategic marketing strategies to help you connect to corporations. They are one of 20 centers nationwide devoted to veteran business development through the U.S. Small Business Administration Office of Veteran Business Development. Vets helping vets. Visit their website at VetBizCentral.org or Call 810-767-VETS. And we're back here on Veterans Radio with our monthly benefits program. And uh, we're talking with Caroline Falson from Legal Help for Veterans and Michael Smith, who is the executive director of the Washtenaw County uh, Veterans Service Office. Um, we were talking about aid and dependence, and I know that there are many other things going on out there uh, in, in addition to that one. Is there, um, is there anything that, that the veterans should be aware of right now that um, I don't know if there are any new benefits or if that, that they could apply for or to, um, to see what's available to them? And, you know, sometimes we just don't know what, what all the good, all the good things that the VA is trying to do for people. We're just not aware of all of the possibilities. Is there anything that, that, that the two of you have been running into lately? I, well, I think we talked a little bit about it last month, um, but I've been, it's been brought to my attention recently, um, change of name, change of address um, has been causing some real problems in that um, all the VA systems don't talk to each other. And... Um, Sometimes, you know, you change, you send your name in and you change your address, but the other system doesn't recognize it and you don't get a letter for an exam or um, a decision and uh, you find out maybe a little too late, some time has passed by. So I think it's really important um, to share um, with someone that could either make sure that the proper paperwork was sent in or some phone calls could be made. But I've been, I've been seeing that recently. And um, I got um, a question the other day with how come, you know, um, I'm getting two conflicting answers 
um, regarding a, a, a rating. And so when we researched it back, it was because the address was, they had moved. And so um, that that's what I see. I haven't seen any new presumptives coming across, any big decisions. I think we're kind of waiting to see what Congress is going to do on a few issues. Um, that's about all that I know of. Michael, any any changes with anything? No, no, nothing, nothing really new. Except, I mean, we're just waiting for obviously the the VA to promulgate the rules for how they're going to approach uh, the three new presumptive conditions for exposure to Agent Orange or uh, herbicides, uh, such as Parkinson's, like disease, bladder cancer, and general Poisson. What's the other one? Hypertension. Well, hypertension didn't get passed. Hypertension didn't get passed. It was uh, Parkinson's like, uh, oh, hypothyroidism. And, hypothyroidism. Um, yeah, and bladder cancer. Right. Um, so we're waiting for, we're basically waiting for the VA to promulgate their rules so we know how to, uh, how we're, how, so we know how they're going to process their claims and how, um, so that their employees will know how they're going to process those claims. Uh, there's some things coming out right now already about the Nehmer decision and the Nehmer court decision uh, always holds on um, those Asian orange or herbicide related claims for survivors and veterans regarding the effective dates uh, for certain claims for certain veterans. Um, but other than that, um, you mentioned or you asked, are there certain programs similar to aid and attendance? Well, I, I, I first want to remind folks that the veteran was receiving, in this case scenario that we were talking about, the veteran was receiving special monthly compensation for his need for aid and attendance. Um, but there's also special monthly pension for the need of aid and attendance. And we want to make sure that people understand that there's a distinction between the um, how and when aid and attendance is considered as a benefit and under which benefits they're paid. There's also a, a veteran who is receiving compensation and has a spouse who's in need of aid and attendance. And the, the veteran gets paid in this under uh, compensation. They don't do that under pension. So we, we have to, now again, that, that special monthly compensation uh, for aid and attendance or that special monthly pension for aid and attendance or the VA is paying a veteran who's receiving compensation, additional benefits for having a spouse who's in need of aid and attendance is in consideration of the, the cost associated with that kind of care out in the market. And, um, so, uh, you know, with, with that being said, um, similarly, the VA looks and, and, and considers people either under the pension program or the compensation side as being housebound. Again, housebound being another special monthly compensation for those who are receiving compensation. And then again, special monthly pension for those who are being considered or who are receiving pension program. It's just another way that the VA approaches uh, a person uh, cons uh, considering a person's health and its impact on his or her ability to be mobile, uh, to be out and about. Um, if they're relegated to their home, other than going to doctor's visits, um, 
or they had they had a rating of 100% for one medical condition and 60% for others combined uh, 60 and higher uh, then they're considered housebound uh, for both pension and so the rating uh, side of it in terms of how a person is considered housebound or even how a person is considered in need of aid attendance that rating activity is pretty similar um, but again, it, it impacts two different benefits and the payments are significantly different. Definitely. Okay. I got a, I got a question to send to us. Um, if a veteran is receiving benefits, I'm, uh, this, I'm assuming this question. Monthly compensation rates for a person who's how I'm, I'm, losing your, I'm losing your connection, Michael, a little bit. You're, you're, you're frozen up on me. <laughs> can you, can you go out and come back in again? I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying no. anything. I'm, I'm listening to you. <laughs> I'm saying Okay. Um, anyway, the question is that if uh, uh, a veteran is receiving benefits, I'm, I'm assuming, is there a way to get spousal support from the VA? Carolyn, I'll ask you that question. Well, it, depends it depends on, and I think Michael um, sort of alluded to this, but there are some benefits that the spouse could get benefits for benefits for but you know uh they could be buried um there's dic that we talked about before but theoretically um the the majority of the benefits are for the veteran um it's pretty unusual and kudos to the va for opening up um the covid vaccine to to family members, um, it tells, it just tells how important it is to get this vac- this this pandemic under control, that the VA is offering that benefit to families um, and loved ones, because that hasn't happened as far as I know in the past. Right, right. I got, um, I got another question for you. And that was, uh, this one came on a text um, and, it's, and it's a homeless veteran. And I guess the problem is that the homeless veteran doesn't have, have a uh, state ID. And, but it, the main thing that he needs is his 214, correct? I mean, that's the, that's the thing that gets you in the door. Well, that's what gets you in the door. But if we, if you have a homeless veteran, I would encourage him um, too bad you didn't ask that question when Dr. Creesman and, you know, Ann Arbor and Detroit were on the phone. They have a center. They've got a homeless coordinator. Um, if you walk in and say, yo, I'm a veteran and I'm in need of some help, um, they could help to start to facilitate that. Yes, you're right. You need a DD-214. You know, you need a license. But if you're homeless um, you, you need a boatload of resources. So you, we got to start, you know, the working issues and um, we got to get them some help. So they, we got to get them into a system um, to start helping them. And, you know, the county councilors are great, the veteran service organizations, um, but we need to, you know, they need to be recognized in that position, Dale. There, it, it's, yeah. it's not so easy just to go out and say, okay, if you're homeless, you know, I, but I need my DD-214 until I get it, you know, I'm going to remain homeless. But there's there's some other resources 
we could kick in and use. And we have before. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying this, this message came from, a, he's up in Bay City. So that would be the Saginaw VA that he probably would want to go into. Right? Yes. Okay. And there's homeless coordinators. Um, you know, I think it's really important that you reach out um, and and you just start somewhere to talk to somebody. County counselors are fabulous to help with um, any individuals through our state of Michigan. Okay. Well, I'll pass this along because it was sent to somebody who was sent to me. So we're getting out there. People are, you know, responding to our our, our program and, and are trying to help people out as much as we possibly can. And so we will answer your questions. You know, it doesn't have to be the last Sunday of the month. Please, you just you can go to Veterans Radio and click on the Contact Us button and let us know. And we'll pass these along to our experts. And uh, so far, there's never been anybody who hasn't, they haven't been able to help out or at least give them a right answer. You know what, Dale? And it's like um, I just had sort of an epiphany. You know, um, we've got our state veterans homes, which are fabulous. And the Grand Rapids has the domiciliary unit. I can't tell you how many veterans we housed at that. So for this veteran, call the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Um, Call 1-800-MISH-VET and identify him or her as homeless needing some resources. And, um, And we could hopefully get this veteran some help. We'll work on it. That's for darn sure. Okay. I think we've got, what, about four minutes? Three minutes to go. Oh, so let me uh, hang on the line here for a second. I got to get this. We got to get announce our winner here for the U.S. Wings jacket before we Yay. run out of time. Yay. So we have a winner here, and her name is Judith Ann Caravu, C-A-R-I-V-E-A-U, and she's an Air Force veteran living in Cullowee, North Carolina. Yay. Yeah, wherever that is. So I guess we'll find out. But uh, she served, in the, uh, as I said, the United States Air Force. She was at Lake, uh, Lackland, uh, Francis E. Warren, and Travis Air Force Base. So, Judith, we will be contacting you and uh, put you in touch with U.S. Wings down in Hudson, Ohio. Get your size and address, and they'll send that new, brand new flight jacket out to you. Again, I encourage people to go to our website, click on the flight jacket, register to win, and we'll be giving another one away at the end of May. And also at the end of May, we will have another benefits program with uh, Caroline and Michael. And hopefully we can get some questions from you and you can help us out by helping you out. Same thing. So let me see, I got another chat question here. Uh, nope, okay. <laughs> we'll have to find that out from Marcus uh, for next uh, month's program. So any, any uh, closing comments from either one of you? And um, these months seem like they're going quicker. Please, audience, if you have questions, um, we do. Michael and I have done um, stuff behind the scenes. Um, we've answered questions. So if you get a question, you've got a burning issue, get it to Dale and he will give it to us. No sense waiting a whole month if something is going on and we could help you. Right. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And we strongly encourage, obviously, just by the, the complexity of some of our questions is that you really do need to contract a veteran service officer uh, wherever you live 
to see if they can help you out because it, this is, these are roadmaps that, that lead to circles and cul-de-sacs and roundabouts and everything else. So we, we encourage you to get the help that you can. Uh, the other thing I, I, we have one minute to go is I wanted to bring up is that um, for your Veterans Evaluation Services, evidently now when you are doing your compensation exams and so forth, they've outsourced that to a company called Veterans Evaluation Services. And uh, so if you get a letter looking for that, it's not fake, folks. It's uh, make sure you follow the the, uh, the letter that you get, because if you don't, uh, your, your claim could be not necessarily de- denied, but it would be put to the bottom of the pile. So make sure you do that. Uh, we are going to, as I mentioned, we want to thank all of our sponsors here on Veterans Radio, Legal Health for Veterans, uh, MBVDC, Eisenhower Center, the U.S. Wings, uh, the Ann Arbor VA. We want to make sure that we thank them, too. Follow us on Facebook. We'll be back uh, next week with another brand new story for you here on Veterans Radio. You are dismissed.